0: Welcome back to another episode of the 909 Podcast. Subscribe and share if you like the content. We're on Spotify and Google Podcasts with links in our show description. Getting right into it. I came across this note, which I'll link to in the show description. It calls for COVID-19 stimulus measures to save lives, protect livelihoods and safeguard nature to reduce the risk of future pandemics. What really caught my attention was the closing paragraph and I'll read it out. Responding to the Covid-19 crisis calls for all of us to confront the vested interests that oppose transformative change and to end business as usual. We can build back better and emerge from the current crisis stronger and more resilient than ever, but to do so means choosing policies and actions that protect nature, so that nature can help to protect us. It led me to looking at something the United Nations has actually been talking about for almost 30 years now in some form or the other. They're called the Sustainable Development Goals and that's what I really want to talk about in this episode. I don't know about you, but for the number of countries that have adopted these goals, according to me there's not enough general awareness about them and I thought I'd explore that to some extent and how those goals came to be. It leads into a lot of areas and serves as some food for thought about what the new normal we create is coming out of this pandemic. The goals themselves are pretty comprehensive. There are 17 areas which cover a lot of topics that are either present-day discourse in the mainstream media or in pop culture. You could make the argument that pop culture is the mainstream media today, but that's for another time. So what do these 17 goals cover? No poverty. Zero hunger. Good health and well being, quality education, gender equality, clean water and sanitation, affordable and clean energy, decent work and economic growth, resilient industry, innovation, and infrastructure, reduced inequalities between countries, sustainable cities and communities, responsible consumption and production, combating climate change, being judicious and conscious in our approaches to life below water and on land building effective, accountable, and inclusive institutions at all levels, and finally strengthening the means to implement these goals. I mean, I really love that part. The fact that there is a goal which states that you need to strengthen the means to implement the previous 16 goals. That's phenomenal. Anyway, let's look at how these goals came to pass. It starts way back in 1992 at the Earth Summit in Rio and Brazil more than 178 countries adopted Agenda 21. Agenda 21 is a comprehensive plan of action to build a global partnership for sustainable development, to improve lives and protect the environment. Next up member states unanimously adopted the millennium declaration at the millennium summit in September of 2000 at the UN headquarters in New York. The summit led to the elaboration of eight millennium developmental goals, to reduce extreme poverty by 2015. They followed that up as well. In January 2015, the General Assembly began the negotiation process on the post-2015 Development Agenda. The process culminated in the subsequent adoption of the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development with these 17 goals at its core and this was ratified in September of 2015. A plan this ambitious definitely needs some checks and reporting on it, and the UN does release an annual global comprehensive report that tracks region-wise progress against these goals. However, that report isn't out for 2019 just yet. What is out, however, is the Asia-Pacific report, and I'll go into that. So let me give you a high-level summary of what's happening in the Asia-Pacific region against those 17 Sustainable Development Goals. The first finding, the Asia-Pacific region is not on track to achieve any of them. Despite significant progress on some goals such as the quality education piece, without extra efforts, the region is likely to miss all 17 goals by 2030. In particular, the region needs to reverse trends on responsible consumption and production and climate action where the region is actually going backwards. Another thing that the report called out was the region's lack of progress on environmental sustainability is actually striking. There is some basis for optimism, however, that the goals which focus on basic needs of the population for health and well being, education, water and sanitation, and safe and just societies can be achieved. The final part the Asia Pacific region needs to revitalize partnerships at all levels and across all stakeholders in sustainable financing inclusive and sustainable trade technologies capacity building and evidence-based coherent policy making now the thing is it's easy to talk about high level goals but what the un has also done obviously is to break these goals down into indicators and sub goals which allow you to meet that overarching goal and one part of this report which talks about those indicators is pretty interesting It says that a lack of effective communication of statistics and insufficient demand for indicators are two sides of the same coin that undermine the evidence base for monitoring progress on the SDGs. Now, if that doesn't make a lot of sense to you, which it didn't immediately to me, I went through more of the report. So like I said, those 17 goals and there are indicators per goal, overall there are 232 indicators broken down across those 17 goals. What's interesting is 71 of those indicators have no data. 64 more have insufficient data. So that's 135 indicators out of 232 that actually don't have enough data at all. The good news, the number of indicators with no data has been decreasing. In 2007, it was 106 indicators that had no data. As of 2019, that's 71. The other thing to bear in mind here is that this is an index that represents the development of 58 countries in the region. When we say there's no data for an indicator, it doesn't mean one country didn't have them, it means all the countries didn't have them. And it's not all bleak though, Uh, 31 indicators spread across the 17 goals are actually on track for the 2030 goals. To bring those indicators and goals into a nice coherent sentence and paragraph maybe, <laughs> uh, I'm going to walk through what they actually are pointing towards. The region has sustained its economic growth, at least 18 countries experience less income inequality, and the total capacity of the region to produce renewable electricity has increased more than any other region of the world. That's phenomenal. The next part, the region also sees a slight decline in its material footprint. And domestic material consumption after decades of resource intensive production. Next part. The proportion of the population using basic sanitation services has also significantly increased, and the region has substantially reduced maternal, neonatal, and child mortality. Brilliant stuff. Another indicator. The coverage of the population of the Asia Pacific region by at least some form of a 4G mobile network has increased carbon dioxide emissions and their intensity from the manufacturing sector has been reduced and the practice of open defecation has substantially dropped among the urban population of the region. So there you have it, some good some bad coming out of how Asia-Pacific as a region is tracking towards those 2030 sustainable development goals. there's always hope right and one could only hope that we get better coming on out from this pandemic which for what it's worth actually originated in the asia pacific region that's it for this episode if you found it interesting please do subscribe to the channel and share it with your friends i'll be back soon with another episode until then stay safe stay indoors i'll talk to you soon